I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Whether it's ethical, practical, or even necessarily demanded, football is back, baby! Not everybody is excited about Project Restart, however, including some of the players. Notably, Charlton's Lyle Taylor, out of contract at the end of a sparkling season, and eyeing up one last reward for his efforts, has told his struggling club that he won't play for them again. You can hardly blame him, but will any manager be eager to pick up a player so willing to down tools? Well, yes, as it happens. Taylor's not the first to go on strike. And more often than not, this single union action tends to get results. I'm Gareth from What Culture Football, and here are 10 footballers who refuse to play. Number 10, Paul Scholes. Paul Scholes could never quite manage to pull out of a terrible tackle, but he did manage to pull the wool over the eyes of the adoring British football media. Just as the Red Devil's red-headed perennial convinced all but rival fans his aptitude for picking up yellow cards was down to hapless myopia, so too did he retire from the game with a reputation as an ultra-professional one-club man, a servant to Manchester United who was ever dependable. It's an August testimony to one of English football's legitimately finest ever midfielders, but it's also a little bit bogus. Well, it was on one occasion at least. After splashing a then-record English transfer fee on Lazio's Juan Sebastian Veron in the summer of 2001, Alex Ferguson was more or less obliged to find a place for the Argentine playmaker to justify the outlay. Veron's birth came at the expense of Scholes, who was asked to sit out of a crunch tie with Liverpool in November, a game they eventually lost 3-1. Despite eventually replacing an injured David Beckham, Scholes was nevertheless furious with the starting snub, and promptly refused to participate in Manchester United's League Cup tie with Arsenal the very next day. Now that is fixture congestion. Scholes was fined for his impertinence, but the proof of his worth was in the performance. United were thrashed 4-0 by the Gunners, and the Salford saboteur was quickly restored to the team. Number 9, Carlos Tevez. The problem with a giant billboard as a nose-thumbing tease against a crosstown rival is that, well, it's a giant bloody billboard, which could become somewhat embarrassing if and when things turn sour. Things had been going swimmingly for the former Manchester United star. 52 goals across his first two seasons in Eastlands had dispelled any paranoid lingerings that Sir Alex had sold the noisy neighbours a mole, and trophies would surely follow in the wake of Tevez's talent, so long as he could avoid a major fallout with his manager, that is. Obviously, he did not. Failure to be selected in a Champions League tie against Bayern Munich led 
led to an almighty Barney between Tevez and boss Roberto Mancini, with the Italian gaffer raging that his striker would never play for City again. After four months golfing on the greens of Argentina, Tevez eventually came back swinging <laughs> in March 2012, helping lead the side to their first league championship since 1968. Number 8. William Gallas French defender William Gallas was so determined to secure a move away from Chelsea during the 2006 transfer window that he allegedly threatened to throw the team under Jose Mourinho's carefully parked bus, either through scoring own goals or getting sent off, if he was not allowed to leave before their season opener against Manchester City. Gallas, whose strop eventually saw him offloaded to Arsenal as make-weight in the big-money Ashley Cole deal, denied the extraordinary claims, referring to his ex-paymasters as very, very petty. However, he could not deny his previous displeasure playing under the Portuguese tactician, nor that his discontent had morphed into a professional protest. Alas, Gallas might not have been prepared to strike own goals in front of the Stamford Bridge faithful, but he did go on strike ahead of Chelsea's pre-season tour of Los Angeles, refusing to travel with the team. Shortly after, he got his wish. Number 7. Pierre Van Hoydonk Dutch striker Pierre Van Hoydonk wrote himself into Nottingham Forest folklore when, despite being a multi-capped international of considerable pedigree, he agreed to stay on with the club following their relegation from the Premier League in 1997. However, it wouldn't be long before he took one giant eraser to it all. 1997-98 was a roaring success for the former Celtic man, whose 29 league goals propelled the tricky trees right back into the top flight. And having just starred for his country at World Cup 98, Van Hoydonk had every reason to be optimistic. That is, until he discovered Forrest's promise to throw cash in the direction of a serious survival bid was a ton of hot air. In addition, club captain Colin Cooper had inexplicably been sold to fellow promotees Middlesbrough. Aghast with a lack of ambition, Van Hoydonk demanded his own transfer, and when the board rejected his plea, he downed tools. Realizing he wasn't going anywhere, the striker eventually returned to the fold in November. Such was the rift caused by his walkout that even after scoring against bitter rivals Derby County, Van Hoydonk's teammates, many who'd been outspoken on the situation, refused to celebrate with him. Number 6. Alexanders Kulinko Outside the mazy dribbles of pint-sized Southampton winger Marianne Pahaz, the cultural contributions of the Baltic nation's other high-profile exports amount to Igor Stepanov's helping lead Arsenal to a heroic 6-1 defeat to title rivals Manchester United, and Crystal Palace stopper Alex Kalinko being punched in the actual face by Trevor Francis, his own manager. The latter incident occurred when, whilst warming the bench during a Division 1 match against Bradford, the Latvian shot-stopper burst into laughter as his own team conceded a soft goal. Furious, Francis apparently turned around and bashed Kalinko on the conk. My nose is very sore and bruised, said the Latvian afterwards. Being the victim of a touchline assault presaged Kalinko's insubordination somewhat. In February 2003, the goalie refused to participate in Palace's game against Leicester. A dispute over expenses and the previous tussle were cited as reasons for the ex-Skonto Riga man's no-show. Number 5. Sebastian Squilacci Gunners fans should probably prepare for the worst when Arsenal's new signee, Sebastian Squilacci, took up the same number as previous backline flops Mikhail Silvestre and Pascal Sigan in 2010. However, such was the Frenchman's frankly unprofessional determination to link up with Arsene Wenger that many hoped that same passion would be transduced into performances. Spoiler alert, it was not. Having turned 30, the severe defender knew his career was about to pass its peak. 
So when a lucrative offer from Arsenal came in, there was absolutely no question about his intentions. Determined to force the move to the Emirates at any cost, Squillace flatly refused to play in his club's Champions League qualifier against Braga. Lest he be cup-tied for the rest of the season, the Frenchman left his sabotage until the very last second, only telling coach Antonio Alvarez he was sitting out after he delivered his team talk. Sevilla lost 1-0, but Squillace didn't care. If a French player receives an offer from Arsene Wenger, it's practically impossible to turn down, he said. Can you blame him? I mean, you probably can. Number 4. The whole Lille team Lille paid a big price for architectural tardiness during their Champions League last 16 tie with Manchester United in 2007, when their failure to erect a wall in time allowed Ryan Giggs to cheekily curl a free kick past a perplexed Tony Sylvia. The Welshman's late strike handed the Red Devils a vital away goal to take back to Old Trafford. Except the French side's manager, future Leicester City Dolard Claude Puel, wasn't prepared to accept it. Outraged less at his team's inattentiveness and more at the referee's correct application of the rules, Puel sensationally ordered his entire team to leave the field. For about two minutes, that is. It must have twigged that a 3-0 walkover forfeit is three times worse than a contentious 1-0 defeat, and Lille finally returned to the field to complete the match. The strop ultimately landed the club with a somewhat embarrassing fine from UEFA for though. Serves them right. Number 3. Darius Ginder Darius who? That is a very good question. And were it not for the man himself putting religion before renown, there's every chance he could have become football's second best known Darius, behind Vassell, obviously. The Polish player grew up in a devout Adventist household, and at the age of 16 was baptized. He, at that moment, vowed never to break the Sabbath. That vow was met with a considerable test three years later when he signed his first professional contract. How could he make it in the sport if he wasn't prepared to play? on Saturdays. Astonishingly, such was his talent, his new club, Chojnowianka, agreed to let him skip the Sabbath. Indeed, the team tried to rearrange matches for Sunday so Ginder could participate, until rivals eventually got wind of the advantage they could gain by insisting on the regular schedule. Eventually, when a crucial tie fell on the day, Ginder was forced to make a remarkable compromise, only emerging after sunset to guide his team to the win. Number 2. George Best The term mercurial was invented for George best. Astonishingly talented on the pitch whilst often volatile off it, English football's first true superstar was just as likely to score a double hat-trick one week as he was to miss an away tie to spend the weekend with an actress the next. The Northern Irishman, despite the God-given gifts which expressed themselves through his feet, was at heart a shy, humble man. Being thrust into the media spotlight against his will had an ultimately debilitating effect on his personal life. Best variously indulged as he increasingly struggled to cope with fame, more often than not causing turmoil in his career. After a fake-out retirement in 1972, Best's Manchester United career finally came to permanent conclusion two years later. The winger went on an apparent three-day binge, after which he was arrested for stealing a fur coat, passport, and checkbook from American TV star Marjorie Wallace. Just as the charges were ultimately dropped, so too was Best, by then-gaffer Tommy Doherty. Outraged, the Belfast boy refused to play for the club ever again. Number 1. Roy Keane Nothing makes Roy Keane's blood boil quite like absolutely everything. But out of everything, it was once only the unutterable name of Mick McCarthy which turned the Irishman's face a shade of crimson few had ever seen in their lifetimes. What could have round our Roy up quite so much? Well, going back to his time in charge of the Irish national team, and during the height of Keane's preeminence. Ahead of their tilt at World Cup 
2002, the Pacific island of Saipan was chosen by the FAI as a retreat for the squad before they jet off to Japan for the tournament proper. For the ultra-professional Keen, the relaxed regime simply wasn't up to scratch. He duly walked out, only to change his mind after. That was far from the end of the matter, though. An edition of the Irish Times was soon released, featuring a scathing criticism of McCarthy's management by the island captain. Days later, the same rag was waved in front of Keane's face by his manager, demanding satisfaction. When McCarthy then accused Keane of faking an injury to skip the playoff with Iran, war erupted. Keane departed yet again, only this time we were told he had been banished. Though he missed the entire World Cup, the media scrum surrounding his home ensured he and his adorable Labrador, Triggs, were still the stars of the tournament. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.